Well, today we finish up what has been a 12-part series on individuals in Scripture who have made an impact. Some of them well-known, some of them we are familiar with, some of them lesser-known, that maybe we've heard of, forgotten their story, or maybe never heard of at all, depending on uh, whether or not you were in that area of Scripture or maybe you forgot over a period of time. And so we're going to finish this up this morning, uh, this series that we've called Making an Impact in Your World. And, you know, I think about all of the people in my life that have made an impact on my life through the years in various forms, in various ways. They did it primarily by being faithful. Um, And hopefully I have done that to others as well. But faithfulness is the key. If you're going to leave a legacy for the Lord, if I'm going to leave a legacy for the Lord, for his kingdom, I have to focus on being faithful. Because if I focus on being faithful, then God will take care of the legacy that I leave. And I will make an impact for his kingdom. We should all have that desire. Now we're going to finish this series talking about Uzziah. Uzziah is a king was a king of Judah that started out very well. Uh, He was king during a very difficult, tumultuous time in the nation of Israel. If you remember Rehoboam, the kingdom splits under Rehoboam. Uzziah comes along about 100 years after that. And during those 100 years between Rehoboam and Uzziah, what happens is when the kingdom is split, we see that over the next hundred years, the kings become more and more evil. Uh, As a matter of fact, Israel's kings were all evil and violent. In Judah, you would have some kings who were at least least worshipped God, acknowledged God, but none of them really had the same dedication that we see, for instance, with like David. Um, But you do have some kings, at least in Judah, that acknowledged God and would worship him. But the violence in Judah becomes more and more common as time goes on. And so we see this is the period that Uzziah becomes king. And what, what another example of the violence that's taking place is that prior to Uzziah, four kings had been killed assassinated, his father assassinated. And so this is, this is the scene, this is the condition, spiritually, uh, culturally, that Uzziah inherits when he becomes king. It's a wicked time, a corrupt time. The bad kings were completely godless. The good kings uh, at least attempted to acknowledge God uh, only really the prophets and the priests during this, ca- this time kept the nation from complete despair. So that kind of sets the scene for what's going on when Uzziah becomes king. He probably, Uzziah did, reigned uh, during the last uh, couple of years of his father's, his father's life. What, what leads us to believe that, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles this morning, and if we look at chapter 26, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, if we look at verses 1 and 3, it gives the indication that during the final years of his father's reign, Amaziah, 
uh, Uzziah is put into position as sort of a co-regent. Let's look at that verse, those verses. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father, Amaziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. So it seems that Amaziah was king for only about six years when the people decided, you know what, we are going to put your son in a position to rule in your place or at least in sort of a co-heir or co-regency type of a thing. Now, why would they do that? Well, this is what we read about Amaziah's leadership in Second Chronicles. Go back a chapter 25 and verse 2. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, but not wholeheartedly. His heart was not fully committed to the Lord. Amaziah was a fence rider. All right? He tried to have a dual life. And it becomes apparent just a few years into his reign. He started well, Amaziah did. He relied on the Lord's strength to defeat Judah's enemy, Edom. But then he compromises by setting up idols from Edom and beginning to worship those idols. Then he pays basically some thugs, some money, some mercenaries, some money, and then ends up not using them, and they get away with a large sum of money. Then he decides to pick a fight with Israel and leads the nation, or leads Judah, to a devastating defeat. So after a series of missteps, the people become fed up with him, and they decide, you know what, we are going to take our chances on your son. So they put him in a position of power, and eventually they have him assassinated, or they assassinate him themselves. So this is how Uzziah rises to become king. You can imagine What's going on in his heart, his mind, seeing his father make those mistakes, started well but did not finish well at all. And so this is the kind of kingdom that Uzziah inherits. You know, a lot of times we'll see that pattern repeat itself, won't we, in families. When the father starts well or is not faithful and the son grows up or the children grow up and become and and model their parents. Well, there's a reason for that. And so before we ever really get into this this morning, I want to ask a question that's personal for myself, for all of us who are parents. If our kids emulate us, and they will, at the end of their lives, will we be able to say that they are faithful and that they've made an impact for the kingdom of God based on how we're living our lives as followers of Christ? Are we pouring into our kids? Are we leading an example for our kids. And if they model our behavior, will they have left an impact by their faithfulness and their dedication? We'll see how Uzziah does. He starts well, just like his dad, but we're going to see that he too does not do it with his whole heart. Second Chronicles 26 verses 4 through 5. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God throughout the lifetime of Zechariah, the teacher of the fear of God. During the time that he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Now, here's a principle. 
Now, don't just hear the principle. I want you to hear what I say after that, okay? But this is important. Seek the Lord, and he will give you success. Now, what that does not mean, necessarily, is that if you seek the Lord, he'll make you rich and famous. We see that does happen for Uzziah for a period of time. That's not what I'm saying. What this does mean is that if you seek the Lord with all your heart and you follow him, he will bless and honor what you do and it will have kingdom value. It will advance his kingdom. And in that sense, he will use you in his work. You will make an impact in your world and you will have success. Now, he may choose to bless you materially. I don't know. But that may not, that may not be a part of his plan. But I can promise you, if you will seek him and follow him and obey him, he will give you success from an eternal perspective. And when you get to heaven, you will receive a well-done, good, and faithful servant. And Uzziah starts out that way. He begins with a commitment to follow the Lord. He begins by seeking the Lord. But there are some lessons that we can learn from Uzziah that hopefully we will apply to our lives so that we can make an impact. The first is this, start well. With anything, any venture, if it's going to be good, you've got to start well. You've got to start with the right motives, uh, the right materials, the right resources, uh, the right focus. And spiritually speaking, if I'm going to serve the Lord, I need to start well. Because of God's grace, Uzziah experiences success in many of the ways that you would expect a king to have success. One way was militarily he experienced success. Look at verses 6 and 7 of 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah went out to wage war against the Philistines. And he tore down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabne, and the wall of Ashdod. Then he built cities in the vicinity of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him, important, God helped him against the Philistines, the Arabs, that lived in Gerbal and the Mayonites. So Uzziah, he's a capable general. I mean, that's something we see pretty quickly in this account. He's a conqueror. But the, the thing is... He's a conqueror, he's a warrior, but he is also compassionate. Here's what he does that kind of separates him from the rest of the pack. He conquers these people, but he doesn't just annihilate them. He does subdue them, but he takes these dangerous nations, and after he gains control, he shows them compassion. He has mercy on these defeated nations. And as a result, he turns them into peaceful neighbors, creating more security for his people, for his kingdom. More importantly, though, we see these words in verse 7. God helped him. He's seeking the Lord, and the Lord is giving him success. He also achieves notoriety and respect. Look at verse 8. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for God made him very powerful. In the ancient world, a tribute was basically appeasement money. They're saying that the person giving it is saying, we respect your power over us. We acknowledge that you are mightier than us. We're giving you this gift to signify our loyalty to you, that we are going to remain loyal. And to say thank you for not completely annihilating us. That's what that is. So he's achieving success. 
He is conquering but showing mercy and turning these neighbors into peaceful neighbors. So he also prospers. God did choose to bless Uzziah with material wealth. Verse 9 and 10, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, and the corner buttress, and fortified them. Since he had many cattle, uh, both in the Judean foothills and the plain, he built towers in the desert and dug many wells. And since he was a lover of soil, he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands. Now, Uzziah makes wise plans. He carries them out. He shows grace. As a result, the Lord favors him, or shows him favor and blesses him. He was also a farmer at heart, which we see. He loved to work the soil. And if we had been to Jerusalem during this time, we would have seen uh, beautiful, fruitful landscapes because he put a lot into that. And God blesses that as well. And if you know anything about this day and time, land, produce, cattle, that equaled money. That was prosperity. And so he's increasing the nation's prosperity, increasing his prosperity. God is blessing him. He also enjoyed power in addition to all of that. Verse 11 through 13, Uzziah had an army equipped for combat that went out uh, that went out to war by division according to their assignments, as recorded by Jael, uh, the court secretary of Maaseah, the officer under the authority of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The total number of family heads was 2,600 2, valiant warriors. Under the authority was an army of 307,500 equipped for combat, a powerful force to help the king against the enemy. So he's a capable warrior. He's creative. He's a strategic thinker. He was ready to take the offense when necessary, and he did that, but he wasn't foolish like his father. He didn't go out picking a fight when it wasn't necessary. So he's using wisdom with this powerful army that he has. And he has security as a result of these things. Verse 14. Uzziah provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, armor, bows, and sling stones. He made skillfully designed devices in Jerusalem to shoot arrows and catapult large stones for use on the towers and on the corners So his fame spread even to distant places, for he was wondrously helped until he became strong. Now we'll get back to that last phrase. But up until now, he's doing well. And he's got this powerful army, but he doesn't just rely on the traditional methods of warfare. He evidently is somewhat of an inventor, or at least tech savvy for the day. He's got all of these other devices. He's, he has helmets and shields for defense, but he doesn't just rely on brute force. He puts together a, an array of machines to augment all of that. The towers that he built, the wall that he has to, to protect his city. And so he has a combination of all of these devices for war, this great force of fighting men and all of their armor. So it's not just man power, it's tech power too. So he's a smart guy and he's inventive. He's using wisdom, all of these things. 
And the result of all of this is that he achieves great fame, great success. He's thought of, well, even by the enemies that he conquers because he doesn't, he, he doesn't completely wipe them out. And so if we were to stop right here, we would say, man, this guy has done an incredible job with what God has given him. And at this point, he has. But the next lesson that we learn from Uzziah is just as important as the first. We need to start well, but we have to continue in faithfulness. We have to persevere in faithfulness. It's one thing to start well. It's one thing to continue to do well and to continue to live faithfully once you've achieved some success in life or serving God and whatever that success is. Uzziah's reputation spreads quickly. He's well-known. He's got all of this success, and with all of this success, everybody around him naturally thinks that he deserves all the credit. You know, with human nature, we, we see someone who has achieved a level of fame or has become popular, become famous, and, and the instinct is to just say, hey, what a great person they must be, which may or may not be true, And on the surface, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they must have done something well in order to get to where they are. And and certainly there's a part that we play in whatever success that we achieve. The danger really isn't in what the public thinks of that person who's achieved success. The danger can lie in what that person thinks of themselves and their own achievements and how they got to where they are. Because up until now, Uzziah is focused on the Lord. He's faithful. He's dependent upon the Lord. But the danger when you achieve success is that you can become, you can, you can fall victim to the idea that, hey, I must be doing something right. God doesn't deserve all the credit for this because I know how hard I've worked to get to where I am. And that ego can become inflated. And what happens is the dependence that I have on God can shift And suddenly I become more and more dependent upon myself. Look at that last phrase of verse 15. Uzziah was wonderfully helped. God helped him until he became strong. He becomes strong. He becomes powerful. He becomes well-known. Those last four words, zero in on those words, until he became strong. So for a lot of years, Uzziah acts wisely. He's dependent upon God. God blesses his efforts. Now, just as a little side note, it could have easily been the other way around. Uzziah could have been faithful and God could have chosen not to bless him with all of this success in this life, in his life. And God still would have been good. God still would have been loving. God still would have been gracious. We see scripture filled with tons of people that were faithful and God did not bless them materially in this life. Didn't give them great fame where they lived, but they're famous now for their faithfulness because they followed the Lord. So don't judge his spirituality based on the success. God chose to bless him because God had intent and purpose in that, financially and materially. But God did bless him, and God did give him victory. God did give him favor. He helped him because Uzziah was faithful up until this point, but the Lord blessed him as long as Uzziah remained dependent upon him. And that was key. And there's an important lesson in this for all of us. When we become more dependent on ourselves than we are on God, we are headed for a fall. 
And that's the danger. When you achieve any type of success, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy it. I'm not saying you shouldn't be thankful for it. But don't forget that God is the one who chose to bless you with that. And don't become more dependent on yourself than you are on God. Now, Uzziah was a remarkable man in a lot of ways. In Hebrew, verse 15 literally reads, And his name went out to a distant place, for he did extraordinarily to be helped until he was strong. He did a lot of great things. He deserved, listen, he deserved a lot of credit for the things that he accomplished. He worked hard. He used what God gave him. His, his, his mind, his abilities, he used all those things. He was faithful. He did a lot of work here. And, and this is where we learn giving God all of the glory doesn't mean you deny your role. What it does mean is that you never diminish his role. And you never get to a point to where you think you've done it all yourself. Because any ability you have was given to you by God. But it doesn't mean that we walk around beating ourselves up and making ourselves feel bad even when things are going well and God is blessing what we're doing. You don't deny your role in it. If anything, pay attention to your role. Be faithful in your role. Work hard at what God calls you to do. But never allow yourself to get to a point to where you think you've done it all on your own or that you can do it all on your own because that is when I become more dependent upon myself than I am on God. And the reality is I have to be completely dependent upon him or else I'm headed for a fall. As Peter Forsyth once said, he said, The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. And that's our job, is to realize the first thing that we need to realize when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin for the first time and is drawing us to himself to receive salvation, we have to realize that God is God alone. And that he is the only one who can provide for salvation. And that he is the only one who can give us freedom from sin. And in giving our lives to him, we discover what our souls were longing for all along. And that's to know our creator, to know our master. God is our master. And we can never forget that we are completely dependent upon him. Yes, we have a part to play. We have responsibilities. And it's okay to feel good when God blesses you with success. It's okay to feel good about your part in that, but we can never deny our complete dependence upon him because without him, guess what? This series, how nobodies become somebodies, without God, we're all just a bunch of nobodies. We can do nothing of eternal value, of kingdom value, without the supernatural strength and help of our creator. We can't forget that. Uzziah, unfortunately, forgot that. He lost sight of that. He becomes a victim of his own pride, which leads to his downfall. Look at the first word in verse 15. But. And that one little word changes everything. Verse 16. But when he became strong... First word in 16, rather. But when he became strong, he grew arrogant. And that led to his own destruction. He, God blessed him and helped him until he became strong. When he became strong, he grew arrogant. And it led to his destruction. You know, this can happen to anybody. It's not just kings or public figures or famous people, leaders in the church. It can happen to any of us. God blesses us. We become dependent on ourselves. We allow pride to sneak in. 
We allow Satan to convince us we can do it without God. And then we're headed for a fall. We're headed for a downfall. And that's where Uzziah is headed. But that word, when you and I become strong in our own eyes, things change. Uzziah didn't learn the lesson of his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, his great-great-grandfather, and so on. He started well, but he had failed to learn the lesson of perseverance and faithfulness. Verse 16 again, but when he became strong, he grew arrogant, and it led to his own destruction. He acted unfaithfully against the Lord his God by going into the Lord's sanctuary to burn incense on the incense altar. As Christians, we have to be completely dedicated and faithful to the Lord. Our hearts have to be completely His because the truth is we won't struggle in being humble publicly if we keep the proper perspective privately in our hearts and in our minds. If we are humble before Him day in and day out in the quiet, alone with Him, and we have our place in kingdom work, right in our own hearts, and he is truly Lord of our lives, then we won't have to fake being humble publicly. We won't have to figure out how to be humble publicly because we will be humble before our creator, our master, and we will be dedicated to him. Not to say we won't be tempted by pride, but we'll be better able to, if we've settled the issue of lordship in our hearts, in our lives, then we'll be better equipped to deal with pride when we're tempted with it. If we are sure in our faith and in God's position as creator, sustainer, the God of the universe and Lord and master of our lives, then we'll deal with success better than if we haven't dealt with that issue. Uzziah began to think, man, I'm something. Look at what all I've done. Got all this military success. I'm a pretty good strategist. I'm a brilliant thinker. I'm a good farmer. I've got all the respect of the people that I've conquered We've, I've gained all this security and wealth for Judah. I've got all of this. Look at what I've done. Look at what all I've accomplished. And pride takes over. And eventually, he convinces himself that he is so powerful and he is so special that his influence, his rule, included the temple as well. And that this is the point where he crosses the line. Because he thinks, hey... I'm powerful. God has blessed me with all of this. I should be able to go in the temple and take that censer, that device used for burning incense. I should be able to do the job of the priest. God has shown me so much favor. I've had so much success. I should be able to do the job of worship that's been reserved for the priests only. So that's what he decides to do. And in doing this, he goes, he crosses the line. Look at verses 17 and 18. The priest Azariah, along with 80 brave priests of the Lord, went after him. They took their stand against King Uzziah and said, Uzziah, you have no right to offer incense to the Lord. Only the consecrated priests, the descendants of Aaron, have the right to offer incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have acted unfaithfully. You will not receive honor from the Lord God. So everybody, the priests could all see Uzziah's pride. Everybody could accept for Uzziah. He's disrespecting God. He thought that he should be able to do what the priests are doing, so he's disrespecting the role of the priests. Everything here is out in the open, and what happens next, he can't see it, but what's about to happen will help him see his failure. 
Verse 19 and 20, Uzziah with the fire pan or the censer in his hand to offer incense was enraged. But when he became enraged with the priests in the presence of the priests in the Lord's temple beside the altar of incense, a skin disease broke out on his forehead. Then Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests turned to him and saw that he was diseased on his forehead. They rushed him out of there. He himself, Uzziah himself, hurried out to get out because the Lord had afflicted him. God afflicts him with leprosy because he mocked God. He mocked the role of the priest. He, he allowed pride to overcome him. He fell victim to it, and he had forgotten his complete and total dependence on God. And there's, a, there's an easy little illustration uh, that, that helps us understand this. You've seen a version of this before, or you've seen the, uh, uh, heard the story about hunters who would catch monkeys by burying jars, right, with food down in them, and they would reach down in there, and they'd grab a halt, and they're stuck because of why? Because of what? They won't let go. I've got a little golf ball down here, and I've got a halt of it, and as long as I've got a halt of it, I'm not going to be able to get my hand out. And I can try all I want to, and if I try hard enough, I'm eventually either going to break this jar and cut my hand or just hurt my hand trying to get it out. But if I'll just let go, I can get my hand out because there's another way. What's the other way to get this golf ball out? Just pour it out. Well, that's a lot easier, isn't it? You know, that's the way it is in life, whether we're talking about pride or we're talking about possessions or talking about the things of life, my family, my ministry, my job, whatever you do, whatever God's called you to do in your life, I can hold on to it. I can have confidence in myself. I can do it my way or I can submit. I can let go and allow God to do it his way, which in the end is going to be a whole lot better than anything I can come up with on my own. And in this case, had Uzziah let go of his pride, had he submitted to God's way, he could have saved himself a lifetime of agony as well as the people that he led. Because for leaders, it doesn't just, for all of us, it doesn't just affect us, but for leaders, it affects the people that you lead also. If only he had let go, if only he had submitted, if only he had remained humble, God would have continued to bless him, but instead he chose to fall victim to his pride, and he pays the price. Leprosy was the most dreaded disease of this day, and he's going to live out his days dealing with the consequences from this mistake, which leads us to our third lesson. Start well, continue in faithfulness, and finish strong. Finish strong. Think about the way Uzziah, his long, what, 52 years? 52 years, that long, impressive career. Think about how he began. Think about all he accomplished. But now let's look at how he finished. The Lord helped him. He prospered him. But when Uzziah fell victim to his pride, he extended his authority beyond the bounds that God had set for him into the temple. He attempted to go where God had forbidden him to go. And do what God had forbidden him to do, and God strikes him down. God punishes him. Look at verse 21. So King Uzziah was diseased to the time of his death. He lived in quarantine with a serious skin disease and was excluded from access to the Lord's temple. While his son, Jotham, think of this little deja vu-ish here. Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. 
Well, he's just following right in his dad's footsteps in some ways, isn't he? Without question, Uzziah starts well. He exceeded his father. In the length of time, he remained faithful. The majority of his career, he provides a godly, safe environment for God's people. Because of his faithfulness, because of his actions, God blessed him in that way. But the way he finished tarnishes his legacy for all of us here who are looking at this today, for anybody who hears this story. So let's look at how he was remembered when everything was said and done. Verse 23, Uzziah rested with his ancestors and he was buried with his ancestors in the burial ground of the king's cemetery. For they said he has a skin disease. His son Jotham became king in his place. The NLT clarifies this for us just a little bit. Because he wasn't actually buried in the royal cemetery because of his skin disease. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors. His grave was in a nearby field, burial field, owned by the kings. For the people said he had leprosy. Because he's a leper, he lives out the rest of his days in isolation. He can't be around anybody. So he has to be separated from society. And then when he dies, they bury him in a field next to the royal cemetery because he's still, his body's still considered unclean. And his legacy, what's his legacy? Here's his legacy. Last thing, he's a leper. All that he accomplished. But what people remember is that he's a leper because of the mistake that he made. Because of his faithfulness that he allowed to be overcome by pride. He fell victim. Three final quick things we learned from Uzziah. There is no genuine success apart from God. You can achieve some good things in this life, and people have. I'm not denying that. But genuine, true, eternal kingdom success is not possible apart from God. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. If you're enjoying success right now in whatever you're doing, give God all the credit. Give Him all the glory. Don't deny your part in it. Enjoy the success God's given you. But don't forget your complete and total dependence upon God. You may have worked hard, and I'm sure you did. But remain committed. Remain faithful. Because the results you're experiencing are only because God has chosen to bless you. Because there's people that have worked hard and done far more than any of us who haven't achieved success in what they're attempting. Remain faithful. Never forget that it is only because of God that we experience any blessing in life. Number two, few tests reveal the character of a person like success does. Few tests reveal the character. I've said a version of this before, but Charles Swindoll says this. He says, success doesn't ruin a person, it reveals a person. And that's the truth. Success doesn't build your character, it just reveals what your character was before you achieved the success. It, It puts a big old giant spotlight on it for everybody to see. Interestingly enough, most people can handle adversity with with a fair amount of grace, a success that people struggle with the most. So here's, here's advice that I think is worthy of, of taking. If you experience success, treat that success like a trial. Treat it the same way you would if you were in the midst of a horrible, difficult, complicated period of adversity. 
Treat it like you would any other trial because the reality is that's what it is. Any success, God is testing your faithfulness. You know, it's easier in the, in the bottom of the pit to look up and depend on God when everything's going wrong in my life. But what God is saying in the period of success, whatever that is, is will you remain just as dependent upon me here as you did when you were down at the bottom of that barrel? It's a test just like any other. Pray. Hold that success loosely. Seek wise counsel. Don't be afraid of the success, but ask God to regularly keep you safe, aware, and humble. Look for the lessons in success just like you would in the midst of that trial that you were facing. Success is just like a trial in that it's an opportunity to grow spiritually and to learn valuable, eternal kingdom lessons. Proverbs 23 verse 5 reminds us we also don't need to forget that it's temporary, whatever that success is. It can all be gone in an instant. And that should keep us humble. Verse 5 of Proverbs 23, when you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle and flies toward the heavens. Keeping that at the front of your mind will teach you to hold it loosely and to remain dependent upon God. Third, God will bless, but he will also break. Never forget, God will discipline those he loves. Like his father, Uzziah became strong because God blessed him. God prospered him. But when he tried to use his own power to usurp God's law, his authority, the authority God had given the priests, God disciplined him. And guess what? God still does that to his children today. He will discipline you because he loves you. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He desires to bless his children. Don't mistake what I'm saying For denying that, he is absolutely a God of love and mercy and grace. He will always give us far better than we could ever deserve. However, God is far more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. And if something's keeping you from becoming holy and growing to be what he wants you to be, he will do whatever is necessary to get your attention, to get my attention, whatever that is. He will send us whatever it takes to make us holy. And if we can't be holy experiencing success, he will send trials and he will send difficulties because he wants us to be holy as he is holy. The Lord that helped, the same God that helped Uzziah prosper is the same God who said, let him have leprosy, who struck him with that disease. And maybe that sounds harsh to you. But if we truly believe that God is who the Bible says he is, that he, yes, he is loving, he is gracious, he is mercy. If we believe all of that, all of the things that we like to talk about, but we also believe that he's just, he's holy, he's righteous, he's separate. If you combine all of that and you look at what God did to punish Uzziah, then we can believe that that was the very least God could do to get Uzziah's attention. And because he's merciful, he could have struck him dead right there, but he didn't. Because it worked. (laughs) I mean, it certainly got his attention. The priests are trying to get him out, and he realizes in that moment, they didn't have to help him too much because he realized what he had done. 
And so God punishes him, and that's what wakes him up. Now, I've used a version of this before, but I, I think it's, it's a little bit different. I'm talking about it a little different way because it's applicable here. I've got a Ziploc bag full of water. And if you've seen this before, don't give it away to other people that haven't, okay? All right. Now, if I take a pencil and stick it through this bag, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, my mind logically would think that the water is going to come spilling out. And you know, God operates that way. There are a couple of lessons here. One is that usually God's ways are different than my ways, and it seems humanly illogical for things to work out the way that God plans, but I have to submit to him and I have to trust him. Even if it doesn't make sense, I have to trust that if I follow him, he will keep me. And that is true here. Just because I poke on, there's not magic here. Okay. This is just science, but the water's still in here. The water's not leaking out. Even though it goes against my way of thinking, the water's kept. And even though God leads us in a different direction, he's going to keep us. But here's the deal. Here's, here's another way to think about this. If I'm not willing to, under, to follow the Lord, he's going to discipline me. And just like the sharp point of this pencil, it may hurt. It will hurt. But even when he disciplines me, he's going to keep me. All right? And if I don't listen the first time, he's going to do it another way. All right? And then if I don't listen then, the discipline's going to get even worse. And it, but in the midst of all of it, he will still keep me. The water's still in there. And he, I mean, this could go on until the bag just completely falls apart. But God will continue to, to discipline until I pay attention. Now, it's pretty noticeable now, right? I mean, there's several, let's see, one, two, four. And I could stick a few more in there, but I know y'all ready to go eat lunch, so I'm going to stop with that, all right? I'm having fun up here, but I'm going to stop and make the point. He'll keep on and on until I pay attention. Just like this is easy to notice, the harder the discipline gets, the easier it's going to be for me to pay attention to the Lord. Because again, he's more concerned with my holiness than he is my happiness and whatever it takes. God knew that that's what it was going to take to get Uzziah's attention, and boy, did it. Whatever it takes for me, whatever it takes for you, if I've gone off course in my faithfulness and following him, Because I belong to him, and he's not going to let me go. He's going to do whatever it takes, and he knows what it's going to take to get my attention. So the question is, I have to believe that in the last years of his life, when they put Jotham in the same position he had had with his dad, I have to believe, and we don't know for sure, but that Uzziah learned his lesson and that Jotham learned that lesson from his father. Because here's what we see, all right? After all these years, it's possible that this had a tremendous impact on Jotham because Jotham becomes the only king of Judah in 130 years to be listed as exclusively good in the eyes of God. He saw his father's mistakes, his grandfather's, his great-grandfather's, the legacy that they had left, and his father and, and, and grandfather starting well, not finishing well. And I can imagine maybe some of the conversations at a distance that he had with his father about where he went wrong. He learned that lesson. And so 
We see Uzziah as somebody who ends as a nobody, but hopefully, and I believe, learned his lesson, and through that, ended up making an impact on his son, who learned the lessons from his father's mistakes, and became somebody that was a nobody that God made a somebody, with a legacy of faithfulness. That's the legacy right there. That's it. And wherever you are in your life, whether you consider yourself a nobody or not, through faithfulness, not perfection, but faithfulness, day in and day out, serving God, spending time with Him, growing in your relationship with Him, growing in your knowledge, growing in the grace, becoming more like Christ, obeying Him, putting obedience into practice, faithfulness, day in, day out, focus on faithfulness, focus on obedience, and God will take care of your legacy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us favor, for showing us grace through the gift of your son, Jesus. None of us deserve it. None of us can earn your favor, but you in your grace and your mercy give us far more than we could ever deserve. You give us the opportunity to turn from our sins after being convicted by your Holy Spirit and turn to you for salvation. And God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room today who doesn't know you or anybody watching online who has not recognize their need for you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring them under conviction, that they would realize that like all of us, they have sinned and fallen short of your glory, and that the only way to be free and forgiven of that sin is to turn to you in repentance, to turn from that sin and to cry out to you, God, to come into their life and to save them. Jesus, through your death on the cross, you paid the price for our sins. Through your resurrection, you give us victory over death, but you won't force that on us. It's a gift that we must receive. And if there's anyone out here that hasn't received that gift, I pray that they would right now in this moment, or come forward during the time of commitment and allow me to share with them what they need to do next. For those of us who are your children, Lord, I pray that we would take the lesson of Uzziah to heart that we would continue in faithfulness and be determined to finish strong and be able to say like Paul that we have run the race when our time comes that we have finished well and look forward to that crown of righteousness, that reward that awaits the faithful, that well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, may we remain humble and submitted to you each day always mindful of our dependence upon you, of the fact that without you, we are nothing. It is only by your grace and mercy and strength that we're alive and able to do anything of kingdom value. But we thank you for that. May we never take it for granted. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?